0: The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 76. How can working in a specific sport create more career opportunities in sports broadcasting? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. Now, are you wondering how to start a career in the sports industry? To solve that problem for you today, let me tell you about my exciting new free course, which is how to start a career in the sports industry after university. For more information, go to education2sport.com and sign up today for free. My goal each week, as always, is to interview a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports journalism. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Rebecca Charlton. Rebecca is a television presenter, journalist and author, where she specialises her work in cycling where she's written cycling books, presented and commentated on television with Eurosport and ITV4. Without a doubt, it's great to have Rebecca as a special guest on the show, and I'm very interested with her passion with regards to cycling. That's why in today's episode, Rebecca will share her sports career journey and explain how working in a specific sport can create more career opportunities, especially in sports broadcasting. Rebecca, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start?
1: Well, firstly, thanks for having me on the show. It's great to join you. I think the interesting thing with my career is it's it's been such a long journey to getting to where I am now. And I think so many people look at you as a sports broadcaster and think you've kind of stepped into it or been very lucky. But anyone in this industry will know how much tremendous amounts of hard work go into it. Um, but it has been such a fantastic journey and it really all starts at the age of seven when my dad introduced me to track racing and at that age when you're introduced to sport I think it's about you know getting on with friends and having a laugh and and it's just fun at that point but he put me onto a velodrome on the very banked tracks that we see at the Olympics as an under 10 cyclist and I just fell in love with it and I think if it hadn't been for the fact that my dad used to be a racer, I never would have discovered that sport because it just wasn't very popular back then. And so he introduced me to that side of the sport. And my friends didn't know about it. It wasn't the cool thing to do. And at that point, I had no idea that it would eventually shape my entire career. So things really went in a very roundabout way from there. So I'd always wanted to be in broadcasting. I used to sit glued to Saturday morning TV thinking, this is what I want to do. I want to be a presenter. And at that point, it, it wasn't necessarily about thinking, right, I'll combine sport with presenting. But it kind of ended up going that way. So I had many, many years racing on the track, on the velodrome. And then I got to the point where, as you do at school, you think, right, what am I going to specialize in? And with this passion of wanting to be on television, I went to Bournemouth University and did um, a BA in multimedia journalism and specialized in broadcasting. And the interesting thing there was they said to us uh, on day one in the the big lecture theatre, and we'd gone through a long interview process to, to get Rittled down to get to that point. And they said, if anyone wants to put their hand up now and say they want to just step into presenting at the end of this, then leave now. (laughs) We're here (laughs) for a lot of hard work. We're here to learn how to be a multimedia platform, to self-edit, to self-research, to build your own script and your own materials, create your own ideas. So you're not going to just stand in front of an autocue for three years. That's not going to happen. And so I learned so, so much there. And then when I finished university and graduated, I was very lucky to, through, to be honest, the reputation of Bournemouth University and its its mo- uh, multimedia platform there. Um, I had an internship at what was then Emap Publishing, and I was working on things like Heat Magazine and back in the day, More and New Women and Empire, and it was a fantastic publishers. And at that point, I really wanted to be in this mainstream. But then when i um I was still racing at this point I, I bumped into a publisher that said actually we we really need people like you that understand sport, and not only sport we really need a cycling reporter would you be interested in coming and working for us and so, as I said initially in a, in a roundabout way, I'd never sort of had this grand plan to combine sport with presenting or journalism at this point. But it's sort of all married together and so I went into the cycling media through this contact and it all went from there and I never left and and I'm still to this day in cycling.
0: I find this really fascinating Rebecca. Just from a sports industry perspective how have you seen the sports media have an impact in professional sport?
1: Massively. I think the way that we consume our sport now is so different and as we all know we're moving into such a digital age, a digital time where People aren't necessarily just picking up newspapers and magazines anymore. And I've got a huge passion for magazines. And I'll always want something on the coffee table. I'll always want to flick through something on the train on a long journey. Um, but I think we've all had to embrace digital. But it is such a fantastic development and we have that immediacy now with knowing what's going on in sports events. Someone's tweeted it before we've had a chance to put a story up or do an online report or a broadcast. So I think that's changed massively. The way the way we absorb media has changed and there's so many new exciting platforms.
0: Just on a personal note, with regards to social media, how has that transformed your sort of profile online?
1: I have always placed such a high importance on social media. I'm a massive user of of Twitter, Instagram, everything like that, because for me, I think my my friends that aren't in broadcasting, aren't in sport or journalism, they perhaps don't quite realize how integral it's been to my career. But I think it's it's not only obvious in building your own platform and having that online presence, but it's also relationship building. You know, I contact so many athletes um, and just have that interaction through social media, And also I think it's been really interesting. Sometimes I've gone into athlete interviews, to feature interviews, and I thought, oh, you know, I've done my, I've done my prep, I've got a lot of research here, but I wonder if there's some interesting nuggets online. And you always find someone's tweeted something, maybe they're hungover and they put a tweet out, something a little bit interesting to get the interview off to a light-hearted start. And I, and I find Twitter and, and other social media forms are really good for that.
0: Out of interest, just from a career perspective, what skill sets have supported you looking back
1: I think going back to um, the BAMJ course at Bournemouth University, what was fantastic there was I was able to combine my NCTJ qualifications at the same time. So learning shorthand, learning current affairs, uh, media law in the current age, especially with the developments in social media, how careful you have to be. I think having that overall awareness of what you can say in situations what you should be sharing, what you should be putting out into public domain. I think that that's been the biggest skill set I acquired through university. And then, as I say, is constantly developing.
0: How about on the camera? Because I have to say I'm okay on the mic. But if you put a camera in front of my eyes and had to speak, how did you cope with that sort of fear fright at the start out of interest being a presenter?
1: It's an interesting question. And I, I think it's all down to... I think personality initially, I think, you know, yourself included, we we can sort of chat away and we're very used to interacting with people and I think that's something to an extent that comes naturally. But I think when somebody switches that, that red light on the camera, you do it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes the way that you're suddenly faced with staring down the barrel of the lens. I mean, it's a different way of interacting rather than if you're talking to a live audience. So I think it takes a lot of learning. But I think it's just, um, again, building that skill set, having the confidence in yourself, taking a deep breath and and just learning your craft, because I think it's normal at first. Everyone is nervous. And I think it's also using those nerves to your advantage to really get that kind of energy in a broadcast and just not letting it overwhelm you, really.
0: Absolutely. Just relating to the students who are studying this topic, how important is it for them to build work experience whilst they're studying?
1: It's massively important work experience, internships. As I said previously, I was so lucky to go into um, what was EMAP publishing at the time because I was able to span about five different magazine titles, but they also had broadcasting. So as you know, Heat Magazine had Heat Radio and the other forms of radio in-house at the publishers. And it kind of gives that multimedia platform. And I think if you can get yourself some workplace experience, you can interact with other people that have succeeded in their career. And I believe everyone's learning all the time. We can learn off each other. So I think going into the workplace is something that really, really helped me. And I think you can learn things on paper. But still you're, until you stick a, a camera lens in front of you and you actually go through the motions and you do it and you put that pressure on your shoulders, I think it's all very well and good reading about it but until you have that real life experience I think everything changes then so the more the more you can do that the better.
0: So what inspired you to write books about cycling?
1: I think seeing gaps in the market to be honest things that I really observed was being a cyclist my whole life I think you take certain things for granted and I'd go out for rides especially in the winter and for example I'd see people that were out in shorts in sort of minus two degrees and I would kind of I'm this uh, you know as I am a broadcaster I would go up and chat to people and say you know aren't you absolutely freezing and they'd say well yeah but I don't know where to start with buying cycling kit I'm not somebody that's kind of really up with all the lycra and knowing what I should or shouldn't wear and you know what are the rules and I think that's the thing you you can get on a bike and you can put a t-shirt and shorts on in the summer and you can get on and you can do it but I think this kind of new wave of cyclists that were inspired by London 2012 massively and all came in to start absorbing the sport hadn't perhaps come from the same background as me where someone had said, right, this is what you need to wear. When it gets to this temperature, this is the kind of kit you can buy and this will actually help your leg muscles and this will help you more, to be more comfortable on your ride. And I thought, oh, I, there's enough people that don't know this stuff. So together with a couple of other writers um, Hannah and Rob we thought you know what we want to be that voice for anyone coming in because the last thing that we want as as avid cyclists is to see somebody take up the passion and then sort of have to walk away from the sport because they're not facilitated with the information to really enjoy it and and to not have injury and, and to sort of not trip up
0: Would you mind explaining to listeners the two books in a bit more detail?
1: Not at all. So the first book um, was Fitter, Feather, Faster, co-written with Rob Hicks and Hannah Reynolds. And this was really more of a training Bible. That was the intention to really lead people through a timeline up to their first four teeth or their first race, so maybe something like Ride London, um, where a lot of people, as with the London Marathon historically, will say, right, I'm going to target 100 miles. And it is very achievable. But as I mentioned, you've got so many elements that, on top of the training, you need to consider just being prepared and know how to um, have your nutrition tailored to what you need in training, on the day, and it's just little nuggets of advice, like always trying in training what you're going to do on the event day and it sounds so obvious but so many of us self-sabotage where you're trying new energy gel on the day and think oh god that's not sat right in my stomach and then you spend 20 miles feeling horrendous so it was just about that real training technique training advice and a timeline leading up to the event and then actually at the end of that book and this is with the publisher Bloomsbury who have been fantastic in really sort of supporting that growth of cycling and we all sat down and we said we're really happy with what we've put together, but actually we've missed this real entry level. So then we wrote "Get on your bike and be happy cycling," and that was really the entry level book that we felt from feedback that people needed. That you know people in the UK that've taken to a bike for the first time and haven't got perhaps family support, they really needed that initial advice. So that really takes you from buying a bike to your first bit of lycra or whatever you choose to wear um and yeah just the absolute basics
0: just touching back to your career now what have you been up to recently
1: so i've just finished um presenting in manchester from the uci track world cup um well we had a lot of british success there as well but a fantastic international field so i was presenting from the track center there And that was fantastic. And then before that, more track racing. This is the real time of year for anyone that doesn't follow cycling, where everything goes onto the velodrome. You see the end of things like the Tour de France. And then it's all about the track over the winter. And so there was the six day cycling in London as well, which is in a real resurgence of the six day style where where you have an absolute top professional fields. We had Mark Cavendish racing loads of world champions Katie Archibald and they literally race for six days and there's DJs there's sort of absolutely banging music and light shows and it's really that entertainment factor so two really contrasting cycling events there kind of one for entertainment and one for medals
0: that sounds really cool just touching back on a personal note Rebecca what have you enjoyed the most from your career journey going back to that young girl with your father looking back now
1: Oh, there's just been so many exciting developments in the last couple of years in my career and I've just enjoyed every minute of it. And I think you do always have to look back at that child that aspired to do what we all do and we love and that we're sort of working towards and actually say, do you know what, I'd be pretty proud if I was looking on at my career now. And I think one of the really big moments for me was um, securing my contract with Eurosport for the British road season. Um. And that was through a guy that has been an amazing executive producer to me over the years, and that's Anthony McCrossan. And he's really showed so much support and kind of opened doors where he said, you know, you've got the knowledge for this. You've got the background in racing. We we want to see you move to the fore. So Two years ago, I moved on to presenting over the summer on Eurosport, and that was a really big milestone for me.
0: Rebecca, I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career in sports broadcasting?
1: I think the biggest piece of advice I would I would give is just to, to know it's going to be hard work. And there will be points where you think, is this hard work paying off? But it will. And there will be rejections along the way. And there will be times when you go for five internships and nobody calls you back. But it will happen. And you do have to persist. And I think say yes to opportunities. And if there aren't opportunities there, create opportunities. And I think, again, in this digital age where we can build a persona online, we can put our presence out there and do something special and do something unique. I think put your name out there be confident don't let a knockback back take any confidence away from you and just believe that you will get there and just fight for it be interested share ideas and don't be afraid to come forward with those ideas either
0: Rebecca that is great I hope the listeners take that all on board how can people interact with you online
1: so as I've said I'm <laughs> an average user of social media I'm on it Every day attached to my phone. So Twitter is at Becca Charlton, Instagram. As Becca Charlton underscore Insta. A lot of my names were taken there. (laughs) And I'm on uh, Facebook as Rebecca Charlton Journalism. And I'm on LinkedIn under my name as well. And I do endeavour to come back to students um, who are after advice or have any questions about the industry. So please do get in touch.
0: That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Rebecca, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much, Ed.
0: What a fantastic interview by Rebecca, and I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, the biggest learning lesson really does relate to today's main topic, that having a great understanding and having that love of a sport can be reflected in the work you do in the sports industry. So with regards to this chat with Rebecca, her love of cycling goes right down to when she was a young girl with her father in the velodrome and how she puts her love into the sport, into the work she does, is really important. Being a sports fan doesn't mean you are going to be an expert in that sport right now. You've got to know the sport inside and out to be an expert or professional in that field. And I wanted to highlight that because a lot of people think, okay, I want to start a career in the sports industry because I love sport. That's important, but having that growth of understanding and knowledge in why you participate in the sport and how you can help others in that industry, you're going to have more credibility from an employment standpoint. But from a broadcasting perspective, if this is an area of the sports industry you love to pursue a career in, I really do hope you took on board what Rebecca was saying and apply what she's done into your career journey going forward. And good luck. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Rebecca said, put your name out there. Be confident. Don't let a knock back. Take away your confidence and just believe that you will get there and it will happen.